My, my, my. Terrible news from the front here on Please Call Me Crazy tonight. The day is Friday, October the 27th, year of our Lord, 2023. And I don't have an introduction today because these are troubling times. Troubling times, to say the least. Over the past couple of hours, there's been some some friction that's transpired between me and my my dear friend, my good friend Jason Whitlock, who now has gone to Twitter publicly and made the made the statement that our friendship and, and working relationship is over due to my podcast I did on Thursday night, which was a, a sort of dear Jason Whitlock two hour um two hour monologue that I shared and you know, Jason, Jason's at least saying publicly, which is very disturbing and, and somewhat hurtful. I'm, I'm very hurt at the moment, to be quite honest, uh, because I consider Jason a dear friend and, and um, I've always had Jason's best interest at heart. And I, I have fearless, the, the, the fearless uh, army and the audience and the show and the conversation's best interest at heart. And, and certainly I, I feel I can genuinely say I have the country's best interest at heart at least the soul of the nation's best interest at heart. And, you know, Jason is, is basically uh, saying that he is upset because in my podcast, I referenced a private text message conversation that we had. And, you know, it, it's, there, there's a lot to get into here and I want to get into it, but, but first I want to say, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because like I said in the show, like, like I tried to convey to Jason in that podcast, these are very dangerous times that we're in. We're on the brink of world war yet again. Um, you know, we just, we just bombed Syria over the last couple of days. And, you know, the sec, the sec def had the, the audacity to tell us, uh, Lloyd had the audacity to tell us that, that, that bombing had nothing to do with, with the conflict there in Israel partially because the neocons and the military industrial complex want us all to believe that this conflict in Israel will not spill out into a greater military conflict there in the region because the America first sentiment and momentum that Donald Trump and the MAGA movement has built is so powerful that, that the American populace writ large does not want to go into another forever war. They know the dangers of going into another forever war. So these are dangerous times and we need serious people to talk about how serious they are. So I don't want to spend I don't want to spend a week in some strange online beef between political pundits or commentators, but but it is on my heart because I have a lot of love and respect for Jason. And I want to start this podcast off by saying, if you haven't subscribed to the Fearless Podcast, go do so. The Fearless Conversation is is one of the best that you can find on the internet. And I think it could be even better. My my opinion, my my advice, my encouragement was that it'd be better, that it aim higher that it go as high as it possibly can because we need every single person with every single uh, every single ounce of, of influence and impact that they have to be maximized and optimized. So I think it can go higher, and I'm going to talk about that today, but I still want people to subscribe and follow Jason and follow the show. Uh, and, and if anybody out there in the small audience or small fan base that I've developed up until this point uh, finds it finds it uh, 
necessary or or um, in some way, you know, a, a favor to me to to stop following Jason. Uh, I want to I want to be clear that's not the case. Anybody who would fo- who would stop following Jason in light of this this recent conflict between he and I is no friend of mine. They're no friend of the show. They're no friend of of uh, of, of free people all across the world. Um, conflict is good. We need we need some conflict, and I think that's the other place I want to start tonight. My aim uh, of the podcast the other night was not to try and badmouth Jason or insult Jason or, or undermine Jason and certainly not betray Jason. What I what I think is important for the conservative movement, for the America First movement, is exactly what the mainstream establishment media and and the sort of crony crony capitalist media has become in America, and that's in most part an echo chamber. Or, or a sort of um, a sort of good old boys club who has the power, who can influence who to, to, to service their own interests or their own career instead of speak the truth, the unadulterated truth. So I want to start off by saying that this is not a, a, a fearless has lost all credibility and Jason is a fraud or any of that. This is, this is grown-up talk between two grown men, and we're going to talk like men. And, and I'm hurt about the situation. It, it really is heavy on my heart. That's why I am taking my Friday evening to do this. I could be anywhere in the world. I could be out eating. I could be out chasing women. I could be out gambling. I could be out just enjoying alone time or quiet time or relaxation time at the end of a, a, a very uh, emotional week now at this point. But, but here I am because the conversation is important to me. It's vital. It's vital. And it's not just to frame out our enemies. It's not just to frame out our opponents, to identify our opponents, but it's also to, to, to sharp, for, for steel to sharpen steel, for iron to shop, sharpen iron uh, within the camp. And that's what I tried to do the other night. And for some reason, you know, Jason has, has said that my reference to our private conversation is, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a step too far. And I just want to say, uh, I think it's bullshit, to be quite honest. And in fact, I know it's bullshit. And I'm going to walk through step by step how I know it's bullshit. The first, the first clear way is nothing that I referenced in the podcast was any information that wasn't already shared by Jason himself on his podcast a number of times. The two things that I referenced more clearly in the podcast, which were very vague to begin with, I didn't read exact words or I didn't say exact things that happened or that were said in the conversation. I just vaguely referenced the nature of what we discussed. Number one, Jason's marital status and him not having any children, which he often references himself on the podcast all the time. So I didn't think that was that was disclosing anything private or anything that would that would harm Jason in any way, and I didn't intend it to harm Jason. I just stated a fact, and how that particular fact I think is playing into the 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 dispute that he and I are are currently having. And the other reference I made was to this 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 notion that he is a uh, uh, you know that that um, the audience is is somehow not is that that my conversation or the things I talk about or the things he and I talk about, the conversations he and I have are not good for the audience, right? They're they're not good for building his audience and what it means to build an audience and what it means to be married to your career. And that that's the conversation that, that we did have. 
Um, and, you know, I referenced, you know, him saying that he was married to his career, which he said on the show many times. Uh, to try and point out that, you know, that first off, there there can be it's a it's a serious it's a serious spiritual error to make a false equivalency to um, the gift of a child or the the union of a marriage uh, being being somehow the same as a, a career, a successful career, the most successful career at that. There's really no comparison. And I think that error in his in his worldview is, is exactly why we find ourselves in the situation today. So, you know, this was not the first time that a conversation that took place in a group chat between the fearless contributors or a conversation that took place between Jason and I in private made its way to the show, his show, where we talk about it, or made its way to my show as a, you know, as a sort of byproduct of, of the, the bigger conversation that's, that's continuously taking place. Uh, in the in the ecosystem of of fearless or me or you know whatever show we're on or you know the entire conservative media um, uh, outlet that that we often participate in. So I'm 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 really disturbed and and mostly I'm disturbed because I hate when people try and make it when when people are upset and they just can't say what it really is they just they just can't come out and say it and then they try and make you look like you're the one who has a corrupt or shady motive. And that's what what he said. You know, he, he makes this this Twitter statement or he puts out this statement on Twitter that, you know, in an attempt to to be controversial and draw attention to my show, I did this two hour podcast. Jason, it's not about my show. There's nothing about the please call me crazy show that that um, that would suggest my, my interest, my my uh, fundamental interest. And doing a show is to get as many clicks or views as I can. I want to have the best conversations. I want to leave the record of the most, the most um, politically uh, accurate, uh, historically accurate, socially accurate conversation analysis that I possibly can. And if in doing so, I can have an impact or influence on the broader conversation and the trajectory of, of where the nation is headed, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. But my interest is having the best conversation possible, even when it's just me, even, if, even when it comes to the titles. And I think it's so strange that Jason felt the need to, to, make, to, to, to make a claim that I'm the one who's seeking attention or controversy, but the, the revolving lineup of, of the show's entire format is... is built on chasing headlines. And this is what I cautioned Jason against in my podcast. This is what I warned Jason against in my podcast. This is what I encouraged him away from in my podcast, that there's a, there's a higher calling for Jason Whitlock right now. And I thought that was, I thought I was giving him props. I thought I was giving him credit. I thought I was giving him a compliment. I didn't think that he would, I didn't, in the, I, in, it never crossed my mind. It actually never crossed my mind, really, that he would be upset with it. I mean, you know, anytime you go to talk about somebody else and they're not there, like I'm doing now, you, you run the risk of them being upset with with something that you said. But it, it never really crossed my mind that this it, it would be a relationship-ending uh, uh, sort of situation.
And so, you know, what am I to do now? Right. Do I go to the entire text message thread and read them uh, sentence for sentence so everybody out there can see, you know, what my what my uh, uh, frustration was with the conversation and and how the conversation actually unfolded and and the nature of the conversation so you all can be the judge yourselves. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because of my own sacred honor, my own my own sense of of self respect and dignity and integrity. I'm not going to go and just and 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 explain exactly what was said in the con- in, in the in the text messages. Although, in fairness to myself, now that your good friend makes a, a, a Twitter post like he did, uh, like Jason did. I feel compelled to do so. And I want to demonstrate how even when you feel compelled to do so, even when you may be justified to do so, that you can still show some self-restraint. So I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to speak to is, is the, the, the set of events that I think led to where we are right now, where me and Jason currently are. In more broad terms, as I so often like to do on Fearless, and I think a lot of people appreciate where I take the conversation to on Fearless because we're in times where people have been misled, manipulated, brainwashed, uh, taken advantage of, and, and most of it has happened in an information warfare, in a sort of psychological and information warfare. And sure, I may not get things right all the time. I may make mistakes. I may be talking really fast in a five-minute segment and have a bunch of ideas that are jumbled together and, and misquote or, or missay a certain word or misreference a certain time or place. But that's just the mistakes that come with daring to have a conversation that's worth anything. Perfect is the enemy of the good. And I genuinely believe that. And to be quite honest, I'm, I'm sort of a perfectionist myself. And I'm, my, and I'm my biggest critic. I'm, I'm harder on myself than anybody. And so when Jason calls me and says, hey, um, I think you're talking over people's heads too much. Or, or basically says, hey, you know, just shoot the layups. You know, I want to have a conversation about the nature, the, 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 the conflict that's grown between blacks and Jews or the NAACP or, or you know, I want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, the entertainment industry and the connection with Kanye and Kyrie and, 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 and all of these things and, uh, and Dave Chappelle. And, and I simply respond and say, hey, there is, no, there is no simple way to talk about a conflict between blacks and Jews, especially on the brink of a world war where the global establishment, the global media establishment has clearly siphoned people's identity groups and, and played it onto this bigger, bigger narrative, this biggest, bigger canvas of, of black versus white or black and brown versus white or, or colonial Europe versus Africa and, 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 and the Arab world or, or the West versus, or, or all of these different divisions that the establishment has built. And all of us all across the world draw from that narrative, that we draw from that, that canvas, and that becomes how we begin to talk about things. And, and I think that that is one of the first real pitfalls and, 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 and um, problems with, with our world, with our society. Our establishment has, has um, perfected the, the art of division. And the way they did it was they perfected the art of crafting a narrative, manufacturing a narrative. And so every time I talk, whether you understand or not, I am not willing 
to, to bastardize you. I'm not willing to insult your intelligence by talking at a level that I think you can understand because I, 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 I fear that you couldn't, you couldn't understand anything higher. And when you look at the comments, and you can't always take comments on face value because we don't know what's really happening in the comment section, although I, I give the benefit of the doubt to the users that, that interact with the, the, the content and thinking, hey, this is a genuine person out there. And if there's one benefit, if there's one, if there's one um, positive to, to what social media has given us is that I could talk to somebody in the Netherlands. Or I could share, I could have a conversation and somebody in the Netherlands can see it and say, hey, I was inspired. And from our last podcast between me and Jason, um, which was on Tuesday night, um, we had somebody say in the comments, hey, listen, I'm a believer and I fell away from the faith, but God, uh, but, but Royce has, has uh, helped me or, or uh, makes me want to uh, get back to, to Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know what, what more validation uh, uh, my, contribution on fearless uh, needs other than that. But that's special to me. So I think the comments are worth something. And in, in the comments, you'll often see people say, hey, you know, thanks, Royce, for, you know, making us think. And I appreciate the ability. You know, it's, I, I find it a blessing. I find, it, I find myself fortunate uh, that, that I'm able to, that I'm able to um, be in a position in my life to to think about things in front of an audience and inspire them to think and that be some type of valuable or fruitful exercise. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I just, I, I sometimes doubt my, my deservingness of such a position in our society, but I, I love it. And I, I don't love it in a self-aggrandized way. I love it in, in that, man, what better life could I ask for? But nothing about what I'm doing is about a career or about attention. Nothing about what I'm doing is to, to, to try and draw controversy for controversy's sake. That's not a part of Royce White's brand. That's not a part of who I've been in my, in, my, in my life. Anytime there's been controversy around me, it's because I'm willing to speak a truth that many people aren't willing to speak. And tonight I'm forced to do the same. Tonight I'm forced to talk about things I would rather not talk about. I would rather not talk about this, this petty bullshit beef, I guess, that me and Jason are having, you know, because I loosely referenced a few things that we discussed in our conversation and, and had a, a, a you know, a, a very encouraging, uplifting, I thought, uh, message to my good friend uh, about the, the overall direction of his podcast and his, and his ministry and his leadership in a time such as this. Yes, and, and I'm very unashamed. I think every day that Jason Whitlock spends talking about sports or prioritizing sports because of what the, the jerk-off society wants to click through on the Internet, we, we, we have wasted valuable time with, a, with, a, with, a, um, with an individual that has the mind and the spirit to make, have great impact and influence on our society. Absolutely, and I can stand on that. And some of you may say, oh, well, you can't talk about politics all day, every day. You got to have a break. Yeah, you have a break when you're done talking. You have a break when you go to sleep at night. You have a break when you go sit with your children at night at the end of the bed or you read them a bedtime story, or you tuck them in, or you take them to school in the morning. Or you, or you, you have a break when you're not at war. And we live in a sort of soft, post-enlightened, posh, prosperous mentality 
where where you know the most basic the most basic level of of consistent and committed uh, focus and 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 uh, uh, conviction is is seen as is is accepted as being too much for us. You know, it's too much doom and gloom. Well, how about we how about we make the self sacrifices necessary? to change the circumstance of our society, of this nation, of this country, of our communities, so that we can arrive at a better time, so that the, the more relaxing and peaceful times could be plentiful. There's no amount of saying it's too much that's going to change it. It's like doing the laundry. You let the laundry pile up for three weeks, there's no amount of thinking, hey, this is too much fucking laundry that's going to get the laundry done. You just got to sit there and get that laundry done. And when it's all done and it's washed and it's dried and you got to hang it up or you got to fold it, there's no amount of thinking, this is so much laundry that's going to get it done. You just got to do it. And so that's what I was trying to inspire in Jason. And I think we still have time to do that, my good friend. Nothing I'm doing is is a knock on you. Nothing I'm doing is harmful to you. You say our friendship is over. I'm the best friend you got. I'm the best friend you got, and you know that. And anybody who's watched Fearless over the last two years has seen the the impact and the influence, the positive influence I've had on Jason Whitlock by his own admittance to think about things in a way that he hadn't thought about before. To bring an entirely different worldview and perspective into the conversation that allowed everybody to think a little differently. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just speaking about the facts because that is the act of a friend in and of itself. Let me tell you where this started. This started when I messaged Jason Whitlock a few weeks back during the Deion Sanders saga. This started when I defected from the 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 um, the fearless narrative on Deion Sanders, and at that time, Jason was even even said to me, "Hey, you, you should have disagreed a little more." You know, almost as if to say, "Hey, if you really disagree with me, you should have went a little harder." And I'm like, well, "I disagree at the level I disagree at. I I don't really I don't really key in on those moments when I I could." I could play a role in, in, in helping drive traffic or, or boost the conversation. I don't give a fuck about that. I'm not in it for a career. I never look at a podcast and go, oh, well, you know, people really like that, so I'm going to, the next time I'm going to say a little more of that. And I'm not saying Jason does that, but I'm saying I don't do that. There's no part of it. I'll talk about one thing today, and tomorrow you may think the podcast is absolutely shit because the topic I talk about, you don't know anything about. You can't reference it. That's fine with me. As long as you understand that you have a man before you that is actually trying his damnedest to find the truth and convey a truthful message that can inspire you to action, both politically and spiritually. This started with Deion Sanders. And it wasn't, the, it wasn't the disagreement that he and I had about Deion Sanders, because if you go back and you watch those episodes, he and I had, you know, for the most part, the same view about the Deion Sanders, uh, uh, you know, the Deion Sanders coverage from the mainstream media. This was about me telling Jason, why are you even worried about Deion Sanders? 
Why are you, an individual who writes at the level you do, who broadcasts at the level you do, who thinks at the level you do, why are you spending any time on Deion Sanders anyway? And I'm not saying you can't ever talk about Deion Sanders. I can't, I'm not saying you can't have an opinion or a comment or you can't relay uh, or relate the Deion Sanders coverage to a broader point. That's fruitful. But day after day after day after day, it drug on. And I finally, I finally did a podcast then that Deion Sanders, Jason Whitlock versus Deion Sanders. And I made the same plea to him then. And actually, I defended Jason. I defended Jason's point about Deion Sanders because Jason and I are close enough to where I, I had conversations with Jason about Deion Sanders, and we understand what Deion Sanders is being used for, which is a distraction. But then we aid the distraction when we spend a lot of time coming on the podcast just to talk about how it's a distraction. Instead of talking about who and what it's distracting us from. And when we get to that who and what, that's where we start to have a bigger problem. And that's where we started to have a bigger problem in this story. Because about a week after, a week and a half after, when Matt Gates was, was, bringing, was, was fighting the CR bill, when Matt Gates was um, uh, trying to take McCarthy out of the House speakership, Mark Levin had made some very disparaging comments about Matt Gates being an attention seeker. And now Jason, unironically, calls me an attention seeker. And I'm not saying that, that. Let me continue. What I'm saying is people are influenced by more than what they see sometimes, and that was my other caution to Jason Whitlock. But, but let me continue. I was on talking about Matt Gates and how the neocon rhino establishment hides out in America first in MAGA uh, uh, costume sometimes, um, hides out but still gets a, a voice or a platform in the mainstream media like Mark Levin to throw stones and, 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 and try and sandbag Matt Gates. And Mark Levin is a, a stalwart of the conservative, uh, uh, of conservative media. His nickname is the Great One, for Christ's sakes. There's nothing great about him. And to be quite honest, there's never been anything great about him. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. Oh, we're going to, we, hey, Mark, I, I know you walked in. I know you made the call. It's fine. We're coming anyway. It doesn't matter what you do. The America First movement is coming regardless. The rise of nationalist populism is coming regardless. And certainly the rise of, of smash mouth populism is coming regardless. There's not a fucking thing you can do about it. This is an exercise in futility. This is you knowing that the last moments are, have, have arrived. The last moments of the corrupt status quo have arrived. I went on Jason's show completely unaware that Mark Levin was part owner of the Blaze at the time on that day during that episode. And I said Mark Levin's name like three, four, five times, like, like five times in that episode. And I said, it's your Mark Levin's and your Ben Shapiro's and these other neocons. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just said his name, Sean Hannity and the Fox News, you know, and I mentioned Mark Levin's name because I saw him make disparaging comments about Matt Gates. I had no idea that Mark Levin was, was part owner of the Blaze. That shows you how much it's not a career to me. 
Because any contributor that that was really looking at it being a career or wanted it to be a career, you know, on the first day I got into Fearless and I started to have some rapport there on the on the show, I would have been, you know, looking at who's the at the blaze, who owns it. Let me try and get my own show. And and I talked to Jason. <clears throat> I talked to Jason about potentially having my own show at the blaze, but I didn't do any real research. I didn't think to reach out to to Glenn Beck or Mark Levin. I said, hey, Jason, if you if you if you think it's a good thing, you want to set it up. I'd be open to talk about it. No problem. But I like being on your show. I do my own podcast. I was already thinking about starting my own podcast. So I was like, look, I'm going to do my own thing. If the Blaze wants to, you know, be involved, then that's, you know, then then we could talk about that. But that wasn't, that's not my, that's not what's the driving force. So I had no clue Mark Levin was even part owner of the Blaze until the day I said his name on the podcast. And during the podcast, Jason mentioned to me that I shouldn't mention Mark Levin's name anymore. And then I go to watch the podcast because there's been times when Jason makes suggestions to me or or pushes back on, on a direction I'm going in the podcast. And then later on, it's left in the podcast. It's left in the show. Like you can see that interaction in real time. I go to the show later on that night and watched, as I often do, because I love to watch the, the chat. I like to see how many how many conservatives and and uh and five hundred one c three Christians and 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 um, omnisexual uh, you know liberal leftists and, and Chinese bots pop up in the chat? I go to watch I go to watch the show. I go to look at the chat, and I notice that my 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 segment has been edited, and my comments about Mark Levin have been edited. I didn't say anything. I went to go ask who Mark Levin was. I went to go do some research. I found out who Mark Levin was. I found out that Mark Levin was was a substantial stakeholder in in, in Blaze, in the Blaze. Well, I knew who Mark Levin was. I know exactly what Mark Levin represents. I've always known what Mark Levin represents. I've always known what his type represent. And I ain't talking about Jewish. I've always known about the Mark Levins, and every black American should, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Every American should, but specifically, every black American should, but we're going to get to that in a moment. So I made a comment about Mark Levin, and then I, when I found out that he owned the Blaze, then came this, this spill out, this, this explosion of conflict there in Israel. And here Mark Levin was again. I mean, it was the sequence of it was was, you know, just absolutely strange in the timing. I didn't know Mark Levin was a part owner. I mentioned his name because Matt Gates was bringing a bill. He tried to take out McCarthy. Mark Levin insult uh, he insulted Matt Gates. I mean, in a really disparaging way to say an elected official, somebody who's serving the interests of the American people, which Matt Gates was doing in that instance. Um is only doing it for attention is a grave accusation. It's an ugly, despicable thing to say with, when it has no, no, uh, no, no real evidence, especially in that situation. McCarthy's a fucking rhino, and we all know it. He, he needed to go. And even if the and even if the you know that left the, the house and, and, and American politics and, and DC and a level of uncertainty, when you get rid of things that are bad, things that are holding you back, there's a level of uncertainty. That's natural. That's a part of life. That's called growing up. 
That's called growing into a better person. Yeah, I have to leave behind the ideas that, that formerly held my worldview together. And when you start to chip away at that, it, it, it may take some time to replace those things with, with, with new ideas, with new, with new uh, anchors and, and, and foundations. But that doesn't mean you should forego the, the, the growth. Growing can be hard and it can be uncertain. Absolutely. So what Matt Gates did was, was honorable to say the least, the very least. And Mark Levin just went after him. And so I started to explain to Jason who Mark Levin was. And I never really got any response because what, what, what Jason said to me on the show is that Mark Levin has been a friend and he's helped out and, you know, he's, he's, he's been good to Jason. Mark Levin isn't your friend, buddy. Mark Levin is using you. Mark Levin is using you for controversy and, and attention to your podcast for his benefit, not me. I have no use for you other than to have the, one of the best and dynamic duo conversations that you can find on the Internet, and many in the fearless audience would agree with that. And so would I, and I love that, and I appreciate that, and I've always shown my gratitude and appreciation for Jason in private and in public, and I've defended Jason out in, in, in the public in my own personal life because Jason has views that are very controversial to many black people in America, and I don't give a fuck about that. When they come to me and they say, why is your boy saying this? Why is your boy saying that? Why is your boy always talking bad about black people? I say, because you motherfuckers is out of control a lot of times. Shit's out of control. What do you want him to say? You want him to lie? What? what? What's he saying that's not true? Well, I just don't know why he spends so much time focused on it. Well, because the rest of the country refuses to focus on it. You see how right now I'm not attacking Jason. I'm, I'm giving him credit where it's due because it's not about that for me. But it is, it is concerning when you find out who pulls a man's strings. And I'm not saying Jason doesn't have his own integrity. I'm not saying Jason isn't willing to, to, to throw himself to the fire or hurl himself at the uniparty or, or try to disrupt the narrative. What I'm saying is right now, many and, and this is Jason as a microcosm of American, American, uh, 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 American culture writ large. There are enemies within the wire. There are enemies in the camp. And just as important as identifying the LGBTQ or radical feminists or BLM or the technocrats or the globalists and the party of Davos are identifying the, the enemies in the wire. Mark Levin ain't your friend. Mark Levin ain't your friend. And that brings me to my podcast from, from Thursday night. Was it really any loose? reference, you know, some, some very, very loose and vague reference to things we may have discussed that really tripped the wire and sent Jason into this, this latest, uh, uh, you know, tantrum, I'd say. Because, you know, you can try and save face all you want to. When you block a man on Twitter, I mean, didn't, didn't you make fun of Deion Sanders for blocking you? Haven't you made fun of other people for blocking you like they're trying to run from you or duck the conversation? And then you go to block me and you don't, without even talking to me, without even calling me, we could talk like men. We could meet face to face and talk like men. You, you know that. And, and you're older than me. and I respect my elders. 
but but being a man is being a man. And when you go to block somebody on social media, that's female shit, respectfully. I don't know if there's anybody I've ever even blocked on Twitter. Maybe there is just, you know, randomly, but but certainly not anybody, you know, not in that context. You know, like I'm severing ties, I'm cutting off the relationship, I'm packing up my bags and I'm moving and I'm changing my number. And I tried to shoot, you know, shoot him a text message uh, earlier tonight, you know, just to say, hey, let's go on the show and talk about it. You got a problem with something? I'll come down to Nashville. We could do it in studio, two, three hours. Let's talk about it. Let's get down to it. Bring Mark Levin down. Invite Mark Levin to Tennessee. Let's talk about it. Blocked. Text me- phone number blocked. You block a man's phone number. You block a man on social media. I mean, you, you, you know, it's, it's, it's petty. You're right. It's, 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 a petty, it's a petty thing to do. I'm watching the situation. I'm, I'm watching the, the language. I'm watching the way that the, the conversation is headed on fearless. And all I was simply saying is, Jason, you have so much talent. You have so much potential, so much more potential than maybe you see to, to build, uh, this, this, uh, build a unique uh, layer, portion of this movement at, at one of the most necessary times in, in human history. In American history. But you think, but the problem is, what, what, what's holding you back is, you, 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 you think people like Mark Levin are your friends. And so was it really that I referenced our conversation? Or was it that I called out Mark, is it, was it that I challenged Mark Levin to a debate? And before, when I mentioned Mark Levin's name in, in, in passing, you were able to edit it out of the show because you had control. But then I did a podcast that you had no control over, and I put you and Mark Levin on the on the hot seat at the same time. And I remember, you know, it was strange to me. I remember sitting here in this very chair on Fearless that day and saying Mark Levin's name, and TJ and him were on the couch together. We were all on the show together. And, and TJ kind of gave this look to the side, and I'm like, oh, I must have said something. I don't know. You know, but Jason has a lot of friends in general. And I know Jason had been, you know, has been on Fox before. And, and so I, you know, Jason used to, you know, be on rush. And so I know that Jason is moving around in conservative circles. Maybe he was just friends with Mark Levin. I wasn't under the, I didn't, I didn't have the knowledge that Mark Levin was a part of the actual company. So I feel like it's more about what I said about Mark Levin that's causing this disruption. That's causing this this little this little this little beef, and it's not really a beef because a beef's got to be two sided. We don't have a beef. Hey, big bro, this little bro here, the same one, Morpheus, the same the same guy, the same guy that you that you said many a times was right. And when you go to write your column and you start to see how things are coming together, you you think about what what I've talked to you about. It's me, this little bro. Well, let me help you one more time. Let me help you one final time tonight. Yeah. And maybe we can have the conversation in person, and maybe we can move past this, and maybe we can get together and talk, talk, and maybe we can bring Mark Levin in, and maybe we can start to hash out these, these little fundamental incongruences 
within the movement that have held the America First movement or the, the genuine rise of a, of a populist movement or a conservative and nationalist populist movement for many a decade. And it just so happens that your boy Mark Levin is at the center of that stagnation, of that social political stagnation. He's at the center of it. It's extremely disingenuous. It's extremely dishonest. It's extremely manipulative for the Mark Levins of the world to walk around benefiting from creating content about the pitfalls of black America today. Very disingenuous. Yeah. Very fucking disingenuous, my dear friend Jason. And it just so happens that much of your platform, which is a necessary platform, it's a necessary conversation, is to point out all of the pitfalls of the black community, whether that be black on black crime, whether that be fatherless homes, whether that be the influence of, of, of rap and hip hop culture or the overall gang and violence of, 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 of black America. That's a huge part of what you are trying to, to change and what you are trying to fix and what you are trying to inspire and encourage black people to be better than. But it just so happens your buddy Mark Levin was one of the fundamental, was one of the integral, essential components, key people in what has led to where black America is today. And I'm going to say something that may not only offend the fans of Mark Levin, the great one, or other conservatives or other Republicans or other members or, 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 or uh, members or, or listeners or viewers of the, the fearless uh, uh, channel or conversation or Fox News or, or anywhere else. I'm going to offend a lot of people by saying one name, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. And it, 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 it has always bothered me that Ronald Reagan is seen as a, a, a saintly character. And I'm not saying that Ronald Reagan didn't do some good things. I'm not saying that Ronald Reagan was a complete, uh, 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 you know, whatever, a complete uh, awful person. But I do know a few things. I, I do know that you can find a, a, a conversation between Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon talking about black people as though they're inhuman. I mean, you can find that right on the Internet. And in a time, in a time, in a time today where, where people exaggerate language, where people exaggerate individual speech, to persecute them and sometimes prosecute them by making it racial when really it's not that racial. It's interesting. It's, 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 it's actually a, a little bit jarring to go back and listen to some real genuine racism, like between Richard Nixon and, and Ronald Reagan. Just chatting on the phone, laughing, ha, 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 ha. And I'm not saying overall Ronald Reagan was a bad president, but I can say that there is a picture you can go see 
of Bohemian Grove where Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon are sitting there at the table. If I was if I was running a political campaign, when 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 I start to run political campaigns, there's not a single thing they could offer me to come to Bohemian Grove. There's not a single fucking thing they could ever offer me to go to Bohemian Grove. For what? For what? These are the these are these are your posh, posh omnisexual neocon neoliberal uh, elites that have trashed the country. What the fuck I want to come talk and hang out with y'all for? Because I need money? Or is it because I need corporate and political capital? Either way, doesn't matter. Point is, ain't no reason to be there. And especially looking back on it, it's a real indictment of both of them that they were seen there. It's a real indictment of anybody who's been a part of Bohemian Grove, to be quite honest with you. It's a freak show. It's weird as fuck. It's just weird. On face value, it's weird as fuck. Who can, who can deny it? Who can refute it? And I don't bring Ronald Reagan's name up to really make it about Ronald Reagan because it's not so much about Ronald Reagan as it is the scam that took place, the scandal that took place under Ronald Reagan. Known as the Iran-Contra scandal. And in the Iran-Contra scandal, there was a three-way trade between the Sandinistas, the Iranians, and black communities all across America brokered by the CIA to, tra to, to, to trade guns and drugs and money. Nobody was ever prosecuted for the Iran-Contra scandal. Nobody was ever brought up on charges or held accountable for the Iran-Contra scandal. At the time, Edward Meese, who was the Attorney General, Edward Meese, Attorney General, at the time of the Iran-Contra scandal and never brought prosecution against anybody, not Ronald Reagan, but anybody in the security state, anybody from the intelligence community, never brought any prosecution against these people. And guess who was his fucking chief of staff? Mark, the great one, Levin. Let that sink in. Let that sink in, my friend. The man you work for, who lets you go out and make content, about how downtrodden the black community has become was right there at the table when a huge, a huge piece of what led to that took place, was put into action, was set in motion. Because remember, if you tune into Fearless, all of the black contributors reference a time where the black community was, was much less plagued by violence and fatherlessness and drugs and crime, and, and that whole thing is relatively new. And you can see that across much of the mainstream, I mean, even the, even the alternative mainstream, let's say alternative mainstream uh, political, political discourse, you can see a, a, a consensus that this, this plague of the black community is relatively new. That if you go back to the 60s and the 50s and, and, the, and even in the early 70s, 
uh, that black black families were much more church and Christian oriented. They were they were more uh, family, nuclear family driven. There was much less drugs and crimes, especially violent crimes between young black men, especially gun crimes. Who knows how big the Iran-Contra scandal really was? I mean, if you can't trust the CIA to not run an operation where they're trading guns and money and coke and, and driving it into black communities so they can fund their, their, their black op missions. Because remember how the whole Iran-Contra thing came about. After the Vietnam War, you know, during that time, we had a very America first. We had a very America first Congress. And what Congress said at the time was, we're tired of these, of these uh, 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 we're tired of, of American tax dollars going to an effort to topple governments all around the world. But we're not, we don't need to be in the business of toppling governments over in Slovenia or, or wherever, wherever. And so the CIA did a workaround. The CIA said, oh, okay, you, you, you think you're cutting the money off? Okay, watch how, watch this. Watch what we're capable of. And so what they did was they used the Sandinistas, they used the drug trade to trade for guns. And who did they arm in the Iran-Contra scandal, by the way? Not unrelated to the history that's unfolding today with our conflict in the Middle East. Iran, per the name. The Iran-Contra scandal. We gave arms to Iran. Different regime than, than, than is there today, but they've always been Persian. Let's just be honest. They've always been Persian. The same man who profits from talking about how, how riddled black communities are with drugs and violence and fatherlessness was right there at the table, was right there in a key position of power under the attorney general who could have prosecuted the security state and the intelligence community for engaging in this, this scandalous, secretive operation, mission that pumped drugs into every black community around the country. And they'll try to tell you it was isolated. But I mean, do you really believe that? Looking back on it, again, who know? Nobody was ever prosecuted. So who knows the, the information that would eventually be declassified about the Iran-Contra scandal is even legitimate. I mean, when your government tells you they were running a secret operation and now they want to disclose the truth to you, you can just assume they're probably leaving out some shit to save face. I mean, that's just prudent for a, a corrupt government to do. So, Mark, why don't you come on down, motherfucker? Why don't you come on down and tell us, tell us all, what role did you play? What, what were your words? What did you have to say? When, when, the, when the attorney general was, was faced with the decision whether or not to prosecute the security state or the intelligence community back during the Iran-Contra scandal, what did you have to say, chief of staff? Mark Levin was the chief of staff to the attorney general during the Iran-Contra scandal. And now he's a, and now the conservative movement in America is so 
is so unwitting that you let him go and talk about the injustice of the same Department of Justice today? And you think he's America first? You think he's MAGA? Are you kidding me? The same guy who said he would never support Trump? And when Matt Gates pops up in the Congress and tries to get rid of Rhino McCarthy, he throws down on Matt Gates right away? The same people who say, we're, we're, we're in debt, we're in debt up to our eyeballs, we have to balance the budget. Oh, man, low taxes, low regulation, balance the budget, republicanism. And as soon as Israel is in a conflict or the Ukraine is in a conflict, he's willing to send unlimited amounts of aid and support to those countries. These are your leaders? These are the people you call the great one? These are the people you give the, name, the, the respect of a nickname like the great one? But you call Alex Jones a fraud? You say that Steve Bannon isn't genuine? I think we've identified what's wrong with our country. And it ain't the fucking Democrats. It's Republicans. It's, it's, it's Democrats dressed up as Republicans. It's Democrats dressed up as conservative. It's liberals. It's neoliberals. It's the neocon, neoliberal world order. And I've been talking about it since day fucking one on the show. And everybody makes some casual joke about it like, oh, there Royce goes again talking about the neocon, neoliberal, military-industrial complex. And little did I, without even knowing it, without even knowing it, one of the, one of the key players of the neocon, neoliberal, military-industrial complex narrative in American political culture is sitting right upstairs from the fucking show. Didn't even know it. I didn't even know Mark Levin owned the blaze. But now it starts to make a lot of fucking sense what's going on here. The enemies are in the wire. The enemies are in the wire. And Jason can say, you know, you, you, you can say, um, you know, that I, that I want attention or that, you know, that I'm doing, that, that I betrayed you. It's not a betrayal. A betrayal would be to let you get co-opted, to let you get co-opted by neocons and not say anything at all. That would be a betrayal. But despite how tough we say we are, despite how thick-skinned we say we are, Despite how emotionally mature we say we are, when we can loosely reference the Bible and Scripture, or we can joke about our own weight, our own dis, uh, uh, deficiencies from a place of, 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 of strength on our own terms, despite all of that, as soon as I, as soon as I challenge Mark Levin and the structure of the, of the company, now all of a sudden I'm out? Well, what kind of conversation are we building? I wish Free People Radio would get as big as The Blaze and there was a, in, 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 in 10 years, I'm 42, and Free People Radio is as big as The Blaze and there's a show underneath, uh, a show underneath my, my leadership and somebody comes on the show and starts to become a contributor and instead, and, and, and disagrees with me, doesn't like me, you know, thinks whatever they think about me, 
and I run from that shit. Does anybody out there in this audience right now imagine any scenario where I would run from a contributor that had a, that had a question, that had a critique, that had a criticism of my worldview or my role in American politics? Or do you think I would walk right downstairs and say, set the fucking cameras up, let's roll. Let's talk about this shit right here, right now. And if we don't come to a conclusion, we can talk about it again next week. That's healthy for the American people. And the reason I point it out is because what Mark Levin represents, what Jason has been influenced to represent, is exactly what's happened with the entire American political culture and the corporate culture. We bite our tongues. We run from challenges. We run from tough conversations. We run from tough decisions. We run from the self, we run from inconvenience. We run from the self-sacrifice we would need in order to make this republic strong and healthy. And that's why the fuck y'all don't like Donald Trump. And I know Jason's a supporter of Donald Trump, but Mark Levin ain't. He can pretend all he wants to. Outer bastion of the New World Order is the rhino establishment. And the whole time I've been going on the show talking about the rhino establishment, little did I know Mark Levin is in on the whole deal. He's right there. I didn't even realize it. And some of you are out, and some of you are so unaware of American politics, and people are so, so easily able to present themselves as something they're not. You all really think Mark Levin is an America first commentator. There's nothing America first about giving unlimited aid to another country for their military problems, for their military efforts. Defensively, offensively, whatever you want to say. There's nothing America first about that, especially when you're $33 trillion in debt. That's America last. There's nothing America first about a young man standing up in the well of the Congress and talking about how lobbyism and, and special interests have hollowed out the House of Representatives and the entire uh, Washington, D.C. community and berate him. And use your platform, use the, the conservative platform you've built up over two decades to tear him down. There's nothing America first about that. There's nothing America first about a, 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 an, unlimited, an unlimited scope of military and military industrial complex. Which is what the CIA did and, 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 and Edward Meese, and I would venture to guess, Mark Levin turned a blind eye. If it's not true, please come before the American people and tell us, what were those conversations like? How was the decision made not to prosecute, not to, not to send a clear message to the security state and the intelligence community that we suffer from today? Not just the black community. Once again, they were the pilot. Once again, they were, the, they were the proxy to what would eventually become of the entire American society. At that time, the war on drugs, the war on drugs and the Iran-Contra scandal are a symbol 
of the security state and the intelligence community and the federal government being out of fucking control. And all you neocons who were involved in the government at that time, all you neocons who had a position of power at that time should be brought before the American people and made accountable for your actions. And I'm not talking about violence, but can we at least stop hailing these people as great political thinkers? Can we please stop calling them our friends? And I start to realize, I mean, this, this, this dark, dark sort of uh, uh, idea starts to, starts to turn in my mind. And I start to realize that, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, the intuition about Jason from black people who say, you do a lot of, you, you spend a lot of time talking about black people. You, sp you sure spend a lot of time talking about black people, and we don't necessarily like the, the overall spirit of it. I mean, you may say some things that are true, but we don't like the spirit of it. Something seems off like you, like you and, and, and don't get me wrong. This is a common tactic of the black bourgeoisie to claim that any black person who has any criticism of what black people in America do are working for the enemy. Well, if we want to thwart that, if we want to debunk that, we sure as hell better not be working for the fucking enemy. And in this case, I don't know if it's Mark Levin's influence on you directly, if it's Mark Levin's influence uh, in, a, in, a more, in a more tacit way, or, or if it's you, if it's you trying to impress him. These are the dark questions. These are the troubling questions that start to turn in my fucking mind, and all I think to myself is, I love you, brother. I love you. I love you. I respect you. I respect your talent. I respect your, your, your intellect. I respect your courage. I respect you. But we got to get real fucking clear right now. And I'm not letting you off the hook by, by, you know, by you saying, oh, I'm just a sports journalist who wants to promote biblical, a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview. But you got neocon anti-Jude Mark Levin who's a forever war extraordinaire, who's an infinite CIA. I mean, we're talking, I mean, imagine, imagine how Mark Levin must think or feel when his star commentator goes on his show and talks about the corruption of, of, the, of the security state and the intelligence community. Or maybe he doesn't feel any shame at all. Maybe he just sits there in Virginia miles and a thousand miles away from the studio there in Nashville or there in Dallas and just has a nice fucking giggle. That Glenn Beck ran into financial hardship and Mark Levin was able to come in with the cash and now he gets to, now he gets to benefit from both, sides of the, from both sides of the coin, from both sides of the trade, from all sides of the trade. This trade here, the America First Nationalist Populist Movement, and I'm supposed to sit by and not say anything about it? Fuck Mark Levin. I'm not scared of these people, Jason. And you shouldn't be either. And I continue to pray. I'll continue to pray and encourage you that you need to wake up. Wake up and recognize the strings that are attached to you, whether you know it or not. Now you can say I'm arrogant. You can say you can say that I'm stubborn. But stubbornness in the in stubbornness in the pursuit of righteousness is not an indictment. 
what is stubborn, what, what is arrogant, is to double down and triple down on your own position when you've made the claim that it's about ministry, evangelizing, saving the country. These are the claims you've made. As your brother, I'm just holding you up to that moral standard. And I would hope you would do the same to me. As soon as a neocon prick would get behind a Royce White and start to shape the way that I'm able to do this fucking show. Ain't nobody see it. Ain't nobody behind this couch or behind these walls or upstairs in this building calling down and telling me what the fuck I can say on this show or what somebody who comes on my show can say. Not a fucking chance. And you know that. You know that about me. And that's part of what you're saying. You know, what you're saying without saying it, and this is this is where you gotta get real, you need you gotta you gotta you gotta get some clarity around this. What you're saying without saying it. Is that there's a result, there's a goal that you're trying to reach within the professional career context of the media industry, of, of, of what you're trying to accomplish with the show, that can forego the immediate consideration of the morals and the ethics. And there's nothing appropriate about that. There's nothing acceptable about that. There's nothing righteous about that. There's nothing Christian about that. And we all struggle at times. Me too. Me too. And yeah, I may be arrogant. I don't consider myself arrogant. I consider myself pissed the fuck off that we're on the brink of a nuclear war and there, and there are people in the conservative movement who follow these neocons around like little, like little lemmings who I see saying shit in comment sections like, nuke Gaza. Let's nuke Gaza. I mean, even to say it is fucking ridiculous. Number one, a nuclear, uh, uh, you know, using nukes in, in, in Gaza would blow back on Israel. So who really, who really gets harmed in that deal? Just like setting up this whole little neocon globalist, globalist military foreign policy puts Israel in danger from its, its, its surrounding neighbors. And will Mark Levin tell you about, will Mark Levin tell you about the, 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 the real history? The, the real history of the crown and the Roman Empire and the whole deal. Yeah, I can take you through that history. I know. I know a lot of people out there don't like to see a young militant black man that has any sense of history, that has any competence in the, in the politics that he's talking about. I know how you feel about that shit. We've seen you whack a couple just like it. Going to be a little tougher with me, though. I can promise you that. Going to be a little fucking tougher with me. I don't make it easy. Going to be a little bit fucking tougher with me. But we've seen it happen before. We know you don't like that. We know there's a lot of people out there that don't like that. And I don't mean to make it black or white. But any black man who defects from the Democrat plantation and any black man who knows a little bit too much about that neocon history, people don't like that. Establishment don't like that. Time to make a phone call. Hey, slow him down. He's... He's he's too hard to understand. Go look at the comments from any of these of, of any of these uh, videos, any of these episodes. Sure, there are people who say, oh, you know, Royce doesn't get, you know, doesn't get to the point quick enough or he just, you know, rambles on or, or it's a rant or whatever they want to say. Yeah, OK. Maybe they just don't like the fucking truth. 
Maybe they just don't want a nuanced worldview because a nuanced worldview would 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 make them feel a, a, a certain sense of, of obligation to become more aware so they could become more involved. And this is where I said, Jason runs the risk. You run the risk of becoming the controlled opposition, bro. Baby food for black people at the, you know, at the, you know, for, for Mark Levin. Baby food for black folks. Baby food for black folks while the white folks watch. And there are conversations that need to happen. I get it. But starting from a premise, starting from, from, from the baseline, that there's, a, there's, there's, there's information that your audience just can't understand is completely dishonest. It's dishonest. The entire first ring of, of, of this first generation of alternative right-wing media, alternative conservative media, runs the risk of becoming Fox 2.0. And look who you guys have at the blaze, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, and Jason Whitlock. Mark Levin's, Mark Levin's audience has capped out. Respectfully, Glenn Beck's audience has mostly capped out. They already got all the neocon Protestant boomers that they could possibly stuff in to the, to the broadcast, to the audience. Jason Whitlock's show is on the rise. Jason Whitlock's show has momentum. Jason Whitlock's show has the, has the opportunity to, be, to, to really change and move the needle. But they got to keep their hands on it. And I'm not saying, and I'm, I'm not saying that Jason easily bends to the will of the higher-ups. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I commend Jason for, in many cases, in most cases, having the courage to do it how he wants to do it and take the heat for doing it. But you march down the field 90% of the way, and some people would say, hey, that was a pretty good drive. You did some good things. You moved the chains. You, you kept possession of the ball. You know, you, you did some good things. But the people who really want to want to win, they they fumble in the red zone. Fumble. You can go ninety yards and fumble on the ten yard line, and it doesn't negate everything you did in the ninety yards. But it sure as hell don't feel good, and it sure as hell is a step backwards. It's a step in the wrong direction. And when you come on and we talk about America First politics and we talk about MAGA and we and we and we create a a, a sort of shield for Mark Levin and any others like him, I start to ask the question, what, what, what the fuck are we doing here? What are we doing here? There's people I can't talk about. There's people I can't mention. Who the fuck is Mark Levin but the boss at Blaze? I don't work for them motherfuckers. Respectfully. I'm a contributor on the on on Jason Whitlock, on Fearless Jason Whitlock. They don't I don't have no business with them, no money with them. I don't have no deal with them. I don't work for them. And to be quite honest, Jason, you don't work for them. You have a big enough platform to be independent and all your audience members knows it, know it and if any of your audience members 
are not encouraging you to go independent so that you can elevate the conversation to a place that it hasn't been before, then you know who they are. And we have this strange sort of culture where when you're a public figure or a celebrity or a politician or, a, or, a, you know, or an athlete or whatever it is, you, you know, we have this strange affection for all of our fans. You know, like our fans love us, you know, and sometimes our fans do love us. And sometimes our fans genuinely care about us. And sometimes our fans are, are you know, have a have a special connection to what we're doing. But sometimes our fans are just people in the peanut gallery jerking off. They don't give a shit about the. They don't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit about the conversation. They don't give a shit about the the you know where this country is headed. They can say they do. But what do their actions say? Judge me by my actions. If you go back and 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 you look at me leading protests during George Floyd that brought people who are deeply brainwashed with liberalism, with post-World War II democratic liberal order, globalism, Mark Levinism, if you're going to criticize me for leading protests that try to educate people at a time at one of the most one of the most historic times in American in, in, in our in our nation in, in our nation, fine. But judge me by my actions. Go back and ask what I was saying. Go back and ask the people in Minneapolis what I was saying. Corporatocracy, sovereignty, and even back then, I was critical of Donald Trump and saying. Don't be sending the military into the into the uh, in, in the city. And guess what? He didn't send the military into the city because he recognized that that there, there was a part. There's an intuition in Donald Trump even that is still having trouble. Still having trouble, completely giving up, completely uh, uh, um, acknowledging just how corrupt the system is. And all of us struggle with that because once we get to that place, that that next step is is dire. But Donald Trump's starting to understand now. He's starting to understand now. That the security state, probably the intelligence community, the administrative state, is so corrupt, is so, is so perverted. Is so grimy and scummy and dirty, so dishonest that they're actually going to try and, and manufacture a, a, a case against him, manufacture the evidence against him to throw him in jail so the American people can't have the president they want. And that's the country we really live in, guys. That's the time we really live in, Jason. And because we live in that time, I'm sorry. To me, fuck football. Respectfully, fuck football. They're going to throw an American presidential candidate in prison to stop him, to stop us from choosing the president that we want. This is a red alert situation. The fire alarm should be pulled. This is not your everyday political debate. This is not your everyday disagreement on, on, on policy, on, on the nuances of policy. 
This is all-out tyranny. When your government fears the people, you have liberty. When the people fear the government, you have tyranny. And under Mark Levin, as chief of staff of the attorney general during Iran-Contra, the people had, had fear of the government, and what did they do? Who was prosecuted in the Iran-Contra scandal? Who was held accountable? And now we're going to talk about black people being on drugs all day when the CIA was on record pushing fucking drugs in the black communities. Now, for all you black people out there, I'm not giving you an excuse. That doesn't mean you should have took in the fucking drugs. That doesn't mean you should continue to play the, the, the role that they want you to play. That's the flip side of the coin. And that's what Jason has continued to, 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 to try and articulate. And that's what makes what he's doing important. Very important. Essential. But don't do it without mentioning the Mark Levins. Don't do it without naming the names. And the names are there. And don't act like Royce is just so much further ahead of, the, of everybody else that he, can, he knows these names and we don't and we can't catch up because he's just, you know, he's just talking at a level nobody understands. Oh, give me a fucking break, respectfully. Respectfully, I call bullshit. The Iran-Contra scandal is one click away. All you got to do is your homework. I didn't live during that time. I didn't come from a family that was in government. I don't have an uncle or a dad that was in the CIA or that was high up in the State Department or some, some political elite that had some intimate understanding or knowledge of these things. I do the fucking research. That's it. I hear a thing. I see a thing. I think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that, wonder how that whole thing went down. Let me go look. And go, oh, that, wow, really interesting. Oh, Edward Meese, Attorney General, didn't think it was didn't think it was prudent to bring any prosecution against the security state. Think that might have led to how out of control it is today. Was it on accident? Was it you know? Was he in on it? Was he ignorant? I don't know. I don't know. We got an ignorant fucking Attorney General right now. And when I think about it, I go, what's the real difference between Edward Meese and Merrick Garland? Maybe their, their, their party affiliation, but certainly not the, 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 the result. The result's no different. The security state is doing shit that's out of control, and they're getting a pass for it. They're getting a pass to do it. And I'm sure there were political commentators then that shield for the need for secrecy and secret operations in order to secure the, 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 the nation, in order to keep the American people safe, just like Mark Levin is doing it right now. The scary part is Mark Levin was there then, and he's here now. And what's even more scary is there's a substantial portion of the, of the conservative movement that actually reveres this man as a legitimate and genuine political commentator. I saw people saying Mark Levin for president. Are you people, have you people lost your fucking minds? And I think you probably have. Nuke Gaza? Nuclear weapons. We're going to go to nuclear weapons because the Muslims are, you know, they're so out of control, they need to be nuked. And any of the innocent women and, and children and, and other people there in, in Gaza, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so out of control, they need to be nuked. They rolled up to Israel with front loaders. These people don't have an air force. 
The Air Force were makeshift, uh, makeshift, makeshift little uh, scooter planes. I don't even know what you call those things they were flying over into Israel. They don't have an Air Force. They don't have a Navy. They don't have a Space Force. These people are rebels. We've dealt with it before in the Middle East. We could deal with it again. We can't deal with it in perpetuity. We can't deal with it forever. In every spot in the Middle East, it's it's not going to work. We can't do it. We cannot do it. And so what we really should be talking about, what we really should be spending time on instead of some, some petty, silly, immature, feminine, we spend a lot of time on Fearless talking about the feminization of the American man. Well, this is a very feminine-ass thing to be doing, blocking each other on fucking social media and, and phone numbers instead of calling and talking like a fucking man, respectfully, in love, in love. See where I'm from? I don't know where everybody else is from. Where I'm from, we 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 talk to each other stern when it when it when it when the time is calls for it, and we still got love for each other. Like me and Jason, like like the way I am, like, and I think this whole kind of uh, social media culture really warps the 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 relationship dynamic, the 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 more reality based relationship dynamic between people, and especially between men. Like, this is some real beef. No, they got a real beef there in, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. That's a real beef. There's a real beef there between the Ukrainians and the Russians. That's a real beef. And the Kashmir between uh, the, 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 the Indians and the Pakistanis. That's a real fucking beef. Me and Jason have a disagreement. Ain't no real beef. I'm going to talk stern because I don't, like, I don't like the way this shit is going down. Really. It's actually, it's actually hurtful. I'm actually really hurt by it. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed, but I'm actually hurt by it because I got a lot of love for you, brother. I got a lot of love for you, but there is not. I wouldn't I wouldn't be right. I would be a sellout. If I if I came to fearless and, and, and I started to have great conversations and success with Jason and we've gone viral many times and had a lot of people join the show and give great feedback and become fans and and the whole nine yards, if I allowed that. To, to, to happen and, and only thought of my own ability to stay on the show and keeping my mouth quiet and keeping my mouth shut about about this type of this type of dishonesty not from you but from the powers that be I would be a sellout that would be doing something for myself and it's and it's it's not by accident that you have the thing inverted, that you have the thing backwards. Like I said the other day, you got that part all the way backwards. You don't give the audience baby food. You tell the audience exactly as it is. And if you aren't quite sure exactly as it is, then we, as the fearless contributors, or myself formally, I guess, as a as a fearless contributor, because you know, you know, we're in the middle of a world fucking war. But you got time to hit the graphic design team and get my face off of the fucking Twitter banner in a in the in a moment's notice. I mean, I couldn't even I couldn't even fathom it. I mean, today I'm sitting uh, today. I'm watching 
the United States Secretary of Defense, Lloyd, come out and, and make a statement about military action we've now taken in Syria, bombs that we've dropped in Syria, and tell the American people that it has nothing to do with the conflict in Israel. On the brink of world war. That's what I was thinking about today. That's what I was reading up on today. I'm going to read the Federal Register. I'm going to read the notes. I'm going to read who, who are our military and, and State Department people have gone to met with. What did they say? What was the, what was the official government uh, record of, of what, was, what was determined or what came out of the meeting? I got to go watch Al Jazeera. I got to go, go watch y, uh, uh, Weon. I think that's how they pronounce it, Weon. W-I-O-N. I got to go watch all these different, all these different global news sources to try and make out what the hell is going on here in this latest conflict. And because I, 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 I do a podcast and say, hey, brother, will you come help? Will you come help me? Can, can you help me? I reach out a hand to Jason Whitlock, to, to, to you, my dear friend, and say, can you come help me? I think I've helped you by your own admission. I'm not saying anything that I, that, that, that's, you know, that's new here. I think I've helped you. I don't ask for any money. I don't ask for anything to be on Fearless. I don't need it. Don't want it. It might taint my, it, it might taint my contribution if I'm being quite honest. I have a little aversion to money because I just see how clearly money has corrupted the entire edifice of our American culture. And you may, in fact, see the liberal establishment try and use my, my slight and personal aversion of money to discredit me in running for public office, whether it be debt, whether it be the anti-family court system that, I'm, that, I, you know, that many fathers all across the country are the victim of. But I don't want anything from Fearless. Never ask for anything from Fearless. Never ask for anything from Jason. Not in that sense. So we're on the brink of world war, and I'm asking my dear friend, hey, man, can you come help? Can you help? I mean, honestly, can you fucking help? The precinct strategy, you got 400,000 subscribers. You got millions of downloads per week. And the, the Republican Party is one-third full. And if we just got it to two-thirds full, we could vote out all these neocon fucking rhinos like Mark Levin. And there hasn't been one mention of the precinct strategy or any, or any actionable political direction, uh, you know, for the most part, on the show. But we got time to talk about the, the relationship, the, the gossip about Deion Sanders and some girl that he's dating. I'm looking right here, you know. Why Deion Sanders and Aaron Andrews' relationship is troublesome. You know, Robert Griffin's attire goes viral for all the wrong reasons. Stephen A. Smith prepares to go nuclear. I mean, who cares about Stephen A. Smith? I mean, imagine a world war pops off tomorrow like it is today, and we start to become the controlled opposition by distracting American citizens from 
from vital time to figure out the action and strategy. Yeah, all soldiers need a break. All soldiers need to play cards. I think we're playing cards more than we're doing battle. And I don't like to draw false equivalencies between war and, and, and politics because, you know, when, when, the, when the bullets are flying, you know, people's, people's minds have to operate differently. And because we've had, we, and because the establishment has created such a convenient culture here in America, it's very hard for us to determine when the bullets are flying past our head. When your conservative stalwarts were the very people who were instrumental in the security state and the intelligence community being out of control, when rhinos like McCarthy have a $500 million war chest, when Sean Hannity's have primetime slots on the only monopolized conservative media platform, when any substantial portion of the grassroots of the conservative movement is saying to nuke Gaza, There are no such thing as Palestinians or a place called Palestine. But we live in a constitutional republic that very much mirrors the Roman Republic. And it was, in fact, Rome that took the land from the Jews in the earliest days of our historical record and out of spite renamed Judea and Israel, Syria, Palestina. Out of spite. Yeah, they did that. Yes, they did that. And that was wrong. Who's the empire today? Who's the empire now? And what does going to another forever war service but the idea of empire? And how did the Roman Empire fall? It got too big in its military ambitions. And when, the, when, and when the hordes of, of barbarians showed up at the gates, there was not enough people left to protect it. Again, I asked a question that I asked on, on, on Thursday's podcast. What is this sort of reverse vassalism? You know, A.J. Barker made this point to me, and I, and I just thought it was brilliant. What is this reverse vassalism that we've adopted here in America? Where in history does a nation or an empire that protects other smaller nations, pay tribute to them. And you all laugh and, and, and joke or, or make fun when I say we live in a cuck society. What kind of international cuckism is that? We pay tribute to you for protecting you? We pay you to protect you? You pay us. To protect you. That's how any reasonable rela- if you go to get security. Like they're denying the, the, the you know, Bobby Kennedy right now, still, won't give him secret service. Blatant, blatant misuse of power, abuse of abuse of power from the Biden administration against their own people. Against the son and the nephew of men that they would hold up as icons while holding their 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 nephew and their son out to dry for straying from the narrative from the mainstream narrative which really isn't astray from what his dad and his and his uncle represented it's astray from what the democrats have become the democrat platform has strayed from from john kennedy's leadership 
And what was the hallmark of John Kennedy's leadership? Are you feeling me yet, Jason? You know the story. You know where you you know what you know what we're talking about. You can't talk about the 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 prophetic nature of of John F. Kennedy's leadership, the self sacrifice of John F. Kennedy's leadership, and call Mark Levin your friend. He's not a friend. He's a military military industrial complex neocon. These people were not friends to JFK. They killed JFK. The man you say is your friend, those same political elites, those same posh political intellectuals, those same neocon military industrial complex shills, operatives, are the ones who killed John F. Kennedy. I'm not saying Mark Levin, him personally, but that guy, that type of guy. The ones who really see no boundaries between home and abroad. The ones who don't really see any border unless it fits a narrative to to keep, you know, geriatric middle-aged white folks outraged. But just enough to tune in. Just enough to keep tuning in. Not to really change the, the, the party. Not to really change the status quo. In fact, the Republican Party, like the Republican Party here in Minnesota, They openly say, we don't want more Republicans. Why? They don't want people to change the party because the party's going to vote for the candidates. The party's going to vote to endorse the candidates. The party's going to vote to to elect the the, the RNC committee men and committee women and chairs and party chairs in each state. The party is going to do that. So they love you out there in the audience with your fucking opinions. They love you to be out there in the audience jerking off with your, you know, with your emotions. But facts don't care about feelings. And the facts are the Republican Party is one third full. If it was two thirds full, if it was just another 100,000 people, Jason, you got 400,000 subscribers on your channel alone, not to mention all the rest of the conservative media that's out there. But everybody's more interested in their own audience. Everybody's more interested in their own success. Everybody's more interested in their own platform. Everybody's more interested in their their own brand than they are actually changing the status quo because all we would have to do is talk about political strategy enough to start to get 100,000 more Real America First MAGA citizens into the Republican Party so we can endorse Donald J. Trump so we can endorse MAGA candidates all across the country, so we can have a a, a MAGA or America First RNC. It's not lost. the, the, The doom and gloom isn't the Royce Whites who come and tell you the facts on the ground about the political situation. The doom and gloom are the people who who constantly come and talk to you about boys cutting their penis off but never give you any political action or strategy. Those are the doom and gloom people. And they can do it with a smile, and they can make it humorous. But where is it going to change? How is it going to change? How are we going to deconstruct the administrative state or the Department of Education so that it more represents something reasonable and logical for the overall health of a nation? In politics. And will they cheat us? Maybe. But here's a sign that they're not cheating good enough. My dear friend there in, in Michigan, Christina Caramo, who ran for the Minnesota, uh, the, the Michigan GOP chair and won. In Hawaii, we got an America first GOP chair 
all across the country now, we're starting to see that the, the, the head of the state party is going America first. And there's nobody more America first than Christina Caramo. She's a true believer. She's no fucking Mark Levin. Christina Caramo stuck her neck out there, and she's willing to keep sticking her neck out there until the fucking job is done. She's a warrior. She's somebody we should look to. She's somebody you should have on the show, Jason. If Royce White is out, go have Christina Caramo come on the show and tell you about Republican Party politics and what we need to do. A black woman. A black woman is the chair of the Michigan GOP, and we want to talk to Michelle Tafoya, who quite respectfully, probably close to a never-Trumper, if not an undercover never-Trumper, rhino respectfully and guess what oh oh the oh the rabbit hole goes deep don't it guess whose name they were floating around in minnesota to run for senate guess who you may still see show up to run for senate in minnesota against me in the republican party none other than michelle tafoya isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic how things happen? How, isn't it just a coincidence? See, all of you out there may think it's a coincidence, but people like me, insiders who actually are involved in the, in the thing, we know it's not a coincidence. We know these things aren't happening by accident. We know it's not as hard to manufacture certain circumstance as many common citizens would think. Because you may have trouble just doing basic things like balancing a checkbook or, or keeping your, your, you, know, you and your kids' lives, personal lives organized or, or organizing your bills or keeping up to date with, with very basic personal business, personal matters. So it's hard, to, it's hard to really grasp that the establishment is this good at what they do. And it kind of it kind of provides some some proof, some evidence that uh, the things we see on the global stage aren't so coincidental either. Not coincidence. Respectfully, it's not a coincidence what we see. None of this is coincidence. Some of it may be coincidence. But as the great Steve Bannon always says, there's no, there's no conspiracy theories, but there's no coincidences either. It's not a conspiracy. This is how the system works. And the system is great at making the Jason Whitlocks feel pressure or have this moment of, of emotional you know, outburst or, or emotional weakness. That fracture him and, 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 a, and a person like me. Everybody in the fearless audience has watched the impact and the influence, the positive influence and impact that I've had on Jason and the entire fearless conversation over the last year or so, year and a half. And I've only ever offered to be more involved. I've only ever offered to, to give more to the show free of cost. Free of cost. It's not, I don't, I'm, I would give as much time to fearless as as need be with no with no compensation because it's not about the fucking money. But I need Jason to come meet me in the middle. I need Jason. To, I need you to come with the same approach. 
we're in a foxhole together. I can't be thinking about, about sacred honor and national honor and victory. And you be thinking halfway about those things, but halfway about building an audience through some superficial technique like talking sports. And this whole idea, this whole idea is backwards, that you can talk sports, that you can start from a, from a premise that is superficial and end at a, at a, at a, at a destination that's profound. It's, that's arrogant. That's arrogant. To think you can, you know, you can kind of trick people into a conversation and then, and then trick them over and out into a more deep, insightful understanding. That's the sort of level of arrogance that, that I'm calling bullshit on. No, there are people who are coming to the fearless conversation already wanting that profound insight, already wanting to get, get down to the bottom of things. And yes, there are people who may venture in based on sports or may see a headline and get caught up in the gossip and say, hey, let me check this out. And come across me and Jason and go, damn, I know it was like that. And you do see some of those comments. But if that's what's actually taking place on your show, if that's what's actually happening in the fearless community, in the, in the digital fearless community, why would we be at the place where I'm now off the show or out of the, out of the camp because I had a criticism of you, a very vague and, to be quite honest, lighthearted criticism of you on my podcast? Isn't that what we're trying to do here? Isn't that more important than any beef? Isn't that more important than any disagreement that we have? That we can use the conversation and the time that we have, whatever small amount of time we may have left to save this republic and preserve freedom, isn't that more important than emotions? I thought, I thought facts don't care about your feelings. Who brings more valuable facts to the show than I do? respectfully to everybody else who brings more history who brings more more political history who me brings more more historical context than i do and i'm not tooting my own horn i'm just asking the question if facts don't care about your feelings aren't facts worth aren't facts worth more than the emotion the petty emotion or beef so to speak because i offer criticism that is really that was really meant to be inspirational and, and encouraging to elevate the conversation even higher when we're on the brink of a world war. If, if, if I can't call the team in a huddle and have a pep talk when we're on the brink of world war, I start to question the integrity and motive of the team that I'm playing with. And it's right to do that sometimes. Sometimes you got to look at your team and go, uh, excuse me, is everybody here to win? Is everybody actually, did, did everybody come to the gym today to act to win? Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes your teammates need help finding their way back to, to, that, um, to that understanding of, 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 of what the priority really is, what winning really looks like, what's valuable about winning, how to win, but then what's valuable about winning. There's no value in winning if it's just the success of saying we have a, a big YouTube audience or a show. It's only, it's, only, it's only success if it moves the needle, if it changes the status quo.
with love and respect. And still today, I'm still not being disrespectful of Jason Whitlock, in my opinion. If you think so, you're probably just soft. You're probably just soft and you need to take a strong look in the mirror. I'm not talking about Jason. I'm talking about people who may be listening or watching. If you think this is a level of, of, uh, of, of, of conflict that is just, you know, is too much, you're probably soft. You're probably, you're probably one-fourth the reason why we're in the place we're in in this country. Lukewarm, milk toast, soft. And this country has become soft. And it's not just BLM activists and purple-haired uh, white liberals from the university that have this, this profound softness to them. It's also us in the conservative movement who can't take a little criticism, a little constructive criticism, a little, a little pep talk to elevate the conversation. Everybody's too, too damn worried about, about, um, about their own image. And it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a criticism that I have across the entire conservative movement since I've, I've, you know, since I've been in it, is the lack of organization. And sure, we want things to be decentralized. And sure, it's good to have, it's good to hash these things out. It's good to have what the MSNBCs of the world are calling a civil war within the conservative movement or the Republican Party. That's a good thing. It really is. But there is a level of coordination and organization that we could deploy right now that would, that would have us well in a, in a, in a good direction for, uh, for 2024. There's, 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 there's stuff we could do. There's things we could do. Christina Caramo knows. Christina Caramo knows how does a state with a Democrat a Democrat governor like Whitmer end up with a black woman who they call a conspiracy theorist as the chair of the Michigan GOP. That's because she put the work in, because she was dedicated, she was committed. Mainstream media don't want don't want don't want black women like that to 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 be the the symbol of of of, of their identity politics. They don't want to highlight Christina Cromwell. They don't want to highlight me. And when they need to, they, they, will, they will use the Mark Levins and their identity, being Jewish, to pressure Jason Whitlock throw his anim, animus towards me. I'm the recipient of the animus. I'm the problem. Really? Show me who I can't criticize, and I'll show you who my masters are. Show me who you can't criticize, and I'll show you who your masters are. And I said it before, and I'll say it again to close. I think it's, I think it's despicable. I think it's disgusting. I think it's completely disingenuous and dishonest that we spend so much time talking about how, how riddled the black community is with any number of, of, of social ills, whether that be black on, crime, black on black crime or drugs or gang violence or, or fatherlessness, and the war on drugs and the Iran-Contra scandal were at the heart of that change in the black community. At least they played a big role in it. Big role. And neocon Mark Levin was right there as chief of staff 
for the attorney general and not one person, not one person of note saw a day in court or a day before, a day before the, the, a congressional body or, or any of these indictments or investigations that Donald Trump is facing. Nobody saw any of that for the Iran-Contra scandal. We got to get clear about this stuff now. We got we to gotta figure out who is who. And the only way we can do that is to talk openly about it. If we're going to be soft and emotional and, you know, too sensitive to be able to have any conversations out in the public, why am I hiding? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, when you say private conversations, it's nothing, nothing was said that has not been said before in the public. And that's the rule. You don't share information about people in the public without them, without them saying it's okay if the public doesn't know it. That's the general rule. We all know it. Come on, Jason. You've been around a long time. If it's something private that you discuss with somebody and you share that and, and, and the public doesn't know it, that's different. But if I repeat something in my podcast from a conversation we had that you say in your show all the time, that ain't, that ain't no betrayal of, of trust or secrecy or privacy. Give me a fucking break. How many times are you on your show talking about people who you know from the broadcasting or media industry and you reference conversation or personal knowledge that you have about them? Pot calling the kettle black and, 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 for, and towards me? Yeah, something else is going on here. Something else is going on here, but I don't want to spend any more time on it. You know, you, you, you know what, you know what, you know what's right and what's wrong. And you got to make that you got to make those decisions for yourself and you got to walk that journey by yourself. This ain't about, this ain't about attention. This ain't about, uh, you know, kicking up unnecessary controversy for the podcast. I would much rather be on the fearless show talking about World War III. I would much rather be talking about Republican politics and how MAGA and America First citizens can, can take back uh, power in their citizenship and, and become political activists to try and save this republic. I would much rather be talking about that. I would much rather be talking about the prospect of going to war on the Eurasian landmass and what it really means, what it could look like. There's so many scenarios, we don't even have enough time to go over all of it. I would much rather do that. And maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to keep doing baby food for black folks. And that's what it is. And Mark Levin gets a kick out of it. I'm sure he does. And I have no problem talking about the black bourgeoisie. In fact, I think I'm much harder on them than, 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 than Jason is even. Constantly criticizing the black bourgeoisie. Because I, I don't think there's any difference between them and Mark Levin. I think they're all servicing the exact same position because they're all servicing the exact same status quo. They're preservers of the status quo. They're purveyors of a corrupt status quo. But I damn sure am not, am not uh, uh, scared to mention Mark Levin's name or anybody else for that matter. The people that I work with, the people that I work for, they can take criticism. Like in the big three, for example, I heard somebody say, uh, somebody asked a question. 
So you can play in the big three, but Jason can't talk about football. First off, let's let's put some parameters and some constraints around that. That thought. Um, I play in the big three eight to ten weeks out of the year. Eight to ten weekends. And I fly in on a Friday and I play on a Saturday and I leave on a Sunday. In most, in most, most cases, most scenarios, most of the time. So you got about a day and a half worth of basketball. And every time I get to poke my finger in, in, in the mainstream media's eye by talking about the politics they don't want the mainstream audience to see because we have televised games on CBS, I'm going to fucking do it. And me and Ice Cube could disagree, and me and Ice Cube have disagreed in the past. When I talk about it, Ice Cube don't get sensitive and, and block me on social media or block me from text messages. Or when me and Jeff Quatnitz may have a disagreement, which I'm sure me, maybe me and him would have a disagreement right now about Israel. I could text him right now, and he'd say, you know what, man, I love you. We, may, we disagree, but I still love you. That's man shit. That's real shit. That's how real men with sacred honor behave. And even furthermore, that's how men with that warrior code behave. And I know, I know, I understand. Jason's maybe new to this, this sort of echelon of American citizenship, of being a rugged individualist. I get it. I get it. Some of these things are just still concepts to you. But little bro's here to, 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 to walk you across the finish line. And that ain't arrogance. I'm just I'm just pointing out the obvious pitfalls in 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 your in your behavior, respectfully. What you blocking me for on on Twitter? What kind of feminine ass shit is that, my guy? Your friends, your comrades. Because what? Because I said exactly what you said. You're married to your career. We all know that. You don't have a wife. You don't have children. You've said that on the show many a times. You've talked about that. And you've talked about your career and this fight in Fearless, this journalist thing, taking the place of having a family. And what I pointed out is the pitfalls of that. And there are pitfalls of that. And so who's the arrogant one? Me for saying it or you for not being able to accept it or acknowledge it? Because I said it's not right to, to think of an audience when you're a, when you're a, a minister or even a, a, or evangelist or you're a fighter for your country. It's not right to it's not appropriate to think of it as your audience. It's not even appropriate to think about it as your career. There's a reason why they say God, family, country. Those three domains, those three categories, should not be career oriented. I know people make a career out of them, but they should not be career-oriented. God is not a career. It's a way of life. Family is not a career. It's a, it's a, it's a responsibility. Country is not, a, is not a career. It's a duty. It's a responsibility. It's a self-sacrifice. These things are not careers. So if you're fighting for those things, but you're doing it from a career from a career standpoint, 
then you're going to have some you're going to have some contradiction. You're going to have some 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 roadblocks. You're going to have some spiritual roadblocks in what needs to be done and what needs to be said. This shit ain't about growing a big YouTube channel or a big audience. This shit is about growing the right audience. This shit is about uh, this shit is about growing the right audience that can take the right action that can that can be empowered in the right way. This ain't got nothing to do with the size of the thing. Quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. My good friend Jason Whitlock, I love you again. To anybody out there who's the, in the fearless audience, if you stop watching Jason Whitlock because of anything I'm saying, then you're no friend to me. I want you to keep watching Jason Whitlock in hopes that in hopes that you can give Jason that feedback and that encouragement, that spiritual encouragement to elevate the conversation to the next level, to take that final leap, to wake up and realize who the Mark Levins are, despite whatever relationship, personal relationship they may have. Understand this moment in American history. And when a Mark Levin goes out and insults an Alex Jones, it makes it hard for me to sit as a contributor on Fearless and listen to Jason give respect and love, a high-level respect to Alex Jones, but knowing that the person who sits at top of the company thinks of Alex Jones as a joke, somebody who he can belittle, the same way he thinks he can belittle Matt Gates, the same way in private I'm sure he belittles uh, Donald Trump. A wave rider. If Donald Trump's, if Donald Trump's uh, momentum wasn't so big, if Donald Trump didn't have such an overwhelming following, Mark Levin would be berating him. And it's not just about Mark Levin. Let me be clear. I'm picking his name out because he's involved in the situation. He's a, he's a, he's a part of the situation, whether directly or indirectly. He's, he's in this little ecosystem. But it's what Mark Levin represents. They want you to think Mark Levin and McCarthy and, and Mark Levin and, and McConnell. And Mark, these are the same people. There's, a, there's an outer guard that poses as alternative mainstream conservatism that's just as much a part of the status quo as any of those people. Just as much as a part of the status quo, preserving the status quo, just as much as, as the, 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 uh, you know, the usual suspects. And we got to make a choice about that right now. All of you out there who claim to be America first, who claim to be MAGA, who claim to believe in having a country, but having a border, who believe in citizenship, who believe in having citizenship that has value, that isn't sold out by your elites, that isn't sold out by posh, neocon, neoliberal, yuppie, omnisexual, world-traveling elites, who believe in sovereignty, who believe in faith, who believe in God, all of you have to make a decision right here, right now, right here today, about the path you're going to choose going forward. There's no more excuse. Stop saying you didn't know or we can't tell or, or uh, I don't have enough information. Find it. Find it. Don't tell me it's hard. It's not hard. It's not hard to look up the Iran-Contra scandal and, and see who the president was and see who the, the head of the Department of Justice was and the attorney general or, or the chief of staff, chief of staff Mark Levin. These things aren't difficult. The question is, do we want to or not? Are we willing to do it?
And that's the real pro- that's the real question that faces American citizens writ large. And it will determine whether or not we save the country. So again, I say, Jason Whitlock, I love you. You're my friend. I still consider you my friend. I don't care what the hell you say on social media on a, on a, on a Friday night. That shit don't matter to me. I, I, I laugh at it. I Really, realistically, I laugh. It, it hurts. But at the same time, I laugh at it. And we could get together and talk, and we could sit down and play some cards or, or you know, or, 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 or have a, a whiskey or eat a steak like we've done before. No problem. Because this ain't personal. It's become personal, I guess you could say. But overall, it ain't personal because it ain't about us. This is about the truth, and this is about the movement. It's not an indictment of you. I'm not personally attacking you, really. Actually, I, I genuinely, genuinely believe you don't, you don't know what's going on here. If our interaction over, the, over these last two years has, has, has shown me anything, it is that you are having a genuine awakening right now politically. And I think that awakening is, a, is important. I think that awakening is, is very important for the country, for the world. So this ain't personal. I wish you would stop making it personal. Don't ever in your fucking life go to social media and say that I'm doing something for attention. If I wanted to have attention, I wore wore a fucking dress for the NBA scumbags that all of y'all still cover. Let's be honest. Y'all want to talk about the NBA. Y'all want to talk about the NFL. Y'all want to talk about the same woke companies that have sold the fucking country out. I don't want to give those motherfuckers another dime of energy, another dime of my money, another dime of my time. Y'all are wasting your time talking about these buffoons, these idiots, these sellouts. Stephen A. Smith, I don't want to give another ounce of my time to talking about Stephen A. Only in passing. But on the brink of nuclear war, let's talk about Syria. Let's talk about about another black bourgeoisie sellout, the Secretary of Defense, going before the American people and saying, yeah, we dropped bombs in Syria, but it ain't got nothing to do with the war there in Israel. Give me a fucking break. The lies are so scary, I don't know how we have time to talk about anything else. And if you use Alex Jones as a reference, Jason, if you use Alex Jones as a reference, as an order, Alex Jones runs a 24-7 a day, 365 day a year network show that constantly talks about the, the, the most complicated political, geopolitical, spiritual concepts to grasp. Mark Levin can't hold a fucking candlestick to Alex Jones. And as soon as we all wake up and start to understand that, we could start to, start, we could start to save this republic. When we start to accept the reality that no matter how imperfect an individual may be, that their net contribution, the positive nature of their net contribution is what we must look at first. When we start to accept 
that the Mark Levins of, of the world can't hold a fucking candlestick to Alex Jones, then we can start to save this country. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.